Are you ready to overcome the complexities and burdens that come with your success? Join the team at Centura Wealth Advisory in the Live Life Liberated podcast. Now, on to the show. Hello and welcome to Live Life Liberated with the team from Centura Wealth Advisory. Today, Derek Myron, Managing Director, hosts client Tina Daniels in our recording studio for a chat about her 15 plus years experience at Centura and how the firm's liberated wealth process has helped her through various financial decisions as a highly compensated executive at a public company. Tina's charitable contributions and giving back to the community are a focal point in her North Star and journey in life. Join Derek now to hear more about how Centura helps its clients and coordinates with multiple professionals needed to provide and execute on their wealth plan. Hi and welcome. I'm Derek Myron and this is my guest, Tina Daniels. Hi. Tina, thank you so much for agreeing to be on our podcast today with Centura Wealth. And uh, you and I have now known each other since quite a long time now. Yeah, 15 uh, years, yeah. maybe more. And uh, you, why don't you just share a little bit about your background, educational background and career path, just kind of give the audience a, a little history sure. on who you are. Yeah. Well, I grew up here in San Diego and went to Claremont McKenna College uh, undergrad and worked after college in finance, actually public accounting and investment banking. And after that, I went to Harvard for business school and moved to New York, uh, where I started my career in digital marketing. And I've worked in digital marketing for more than 20 years now for an agency that was acquired by Microsoft, and now I work at Google, and I've been at Google for eight years. I oversee our measurement and analytics um, solutions practice. And how long have you been there? Eight years, you eight said? Eight years. Okay, great. We got to know each other because we started working for your family back almost 18 years ago for your grandmother's estate, right? and then your parents' estate, and then as your career took off, you started having some financial things that are going on, they're saying, hey, I've got some pain points. Why don't you describe how that how that led to starting to work with us? Yeah, well, I mean, like many uh, people who work in tech, large part of my compensation was based in equity stock options. And uh, I was in the fortunate position of, of having accumulated a fair amount of, of wealth in those options that I needed to exercise, but I didn't want to pay the tax on it. And your team came up with a very elegant solution of setting aside the money in a charitable trust. That really was a great solution for me because I do have a big commitment to philanthropy and had been continuously making philanthropic donations. So this was a strategic way to both preserve, preserve accumulate wealth, mitigate against taxes and fulfill um, you know, an important dream of making big contributions. Yeah. And just to expand on that, I mean, you not only contribute your labor, I mean, your money, but also your labor in that regard. I do. Yeah. Yeah. I sit on three nonprofit boards. Um, the The first uh, board is the Women's Prison Association at Home, which is a nonprofit in New York that helps women who've been incarcerated rebuild their lives. I served actually for six years as the president of that board. And and I also serve on the board of Claremont McKenna College, where I said I went to school as a trustee. And that is a big part of my life. I spend a, a lot of time on Claremont work. I serve on a number of committees. I also chair the Kravis Leadership Institute board, which is a research um, institute at Claremont. 
Uh, so it's all very much a labor of love. I, I enjoy every minute of it. And it's been, you know, just a huge privilege. And, and I do really owe that experience to the wealth planning that you and your team did. I, I wouldn't be in a position to be making the substantial required commitments to being on the board of trustees had it not been for the charitable trusts that were established 15 years ago. Yeah. It, um, so I marvel at what you've been able to do at your age, both personally and professionally. And it's pretty gra- gratifying to see you be able to use your wealth in the way that you have to really accomplish the things that are important to you. And so our process is a lot about getting the facts and the assumptions and the goals down to then understand, okay, well, what are the best options for you? And seeing how those things have materialized and things that really matter to you is pretty rewarding professionally. Oh, that's nice to hear. Yeah. We appreciate that. So tell me more about the process. So I know we've been together a long time, so you may like, okay, it's kind of hard to remember about all the process, but share with me about what's the client experience? What's the process? How does it work? What's your experience? Well, I mean, possibly like many of your clients, I was in a position where I, I knew enough to be dangerous. I mentioned I'd worked in finance. I went to business school. I have a CPA. So I'm, I'm financially literate. And I was mostly doing it on my own, which is a pretty terrible idea, even for somebody who's knowledgeable like me. It's just, I don't have time to be doing it full time. Full time. So I think having just the reassurance that your team is really thinking through all of both the possibilities, um, externalities, ramifications of, of financial decisions I make is, is really reassuring for me. I, I didn't work with a different financial advisor before coming to Centura, so I don't have like a, a direct comparison, but I have the comparison of sort of the stress I felt thinking that I wasn't fully optimizing my portfolio. Yeah. So it's also important to get those other teammates involved as well, this, the CPA, the legal side as well, because yeah. it's, it's, it takes a fair yeah, bit. Yeah, it's really comprehensive. And, um, and I think that that too is a big advantage of, of knowing that all of those experts are talking together and that you know, you're thinking about the options in a coordinated way. Yeah. Um, and it's nice, honestly, just not to have to vet all of those different professionals and trust your recommendation. Yeah. So you have a relationship with how many folks here at the firm? Mm. Well, uh, let's see. Several, probably six or seven. Yeah. And do you feel like it's coordinated that the communication or do you feel like, gosh, you get ping pong? I mean, what's the experience? No, I think it's coordinated. I, I think one of the things I really value is responsiveness. I've spent most of my career both in finance and in technology in a client service account service capacity. So I have a pretty high bar and standard for that. Um, I think what I really appreciate is when I call or email with a question, I, I, I expect and I get a response within the same day. And I think it works quite well to have sort of a point person that can figure out who in the firm needs, you know, needs to be pulled in. Yeah. So talk to me about the planning process. Oftentimes there's some hurdles to doing planning 
the hurdles can be time commitments. I mean, you're a super busy person. Yeah. We've had to infringe upon your time to really get your input, to, but that, that t- you know, is a big component. Mm-hmm. Second is gathering all the documents, right? Yes. So, so we can just get all the facts so we can get down to making, to, can you share about that and what yeah. your experience has been? Yeah, I mean, I, you're right. It does, it does take some commitment on the part of the client, but I don't think of that as having been too onerous. I mean, if anything, I usually feel like a little bit guilty that I don't have more time to spend. The documentation, I think once you sort of get it all set up, it, it mostly runs itself. It's, you know, I guess there's some work around taxes every year, but that's irrelevant. I mean, that's, that's going to happen no matter what. And I think in terms of, of time, I do try to carve out time every month to just evaluate my portfolio, take stock of the valuation. There might be some opportunity for me to improve the, the process for which I do that. I think that the portal has come a long way and I like the fact that it's linked to custodian accounts. Um, so, uh, yeah, no, I'd say it mostly works. Okay. So <clears throat> we get a plan together. Mm-hmm. Your plan has involved several different trusts, right? Over the years yes. as, as time, as your circumstances change and income and assets change and interest rates change. So we have to pivot depending on what is needed. But after the plan is built, we then fill it with the investments that are necessary to accomplish the goals. Right. Why don't you talk about what you think has worked, maybe what's not worked, what's been super helpful about the investment selection process? Yeah, I mean, I think the biggest thing has been the exposure and access to alternative investments. That's certainly something I wouldn't have had on my own, and I probably wouldn't have thought of it. my grandparents and parents invested in real estate primarily here and it it served them very well and so i really appreciate the opportunity to be um, presented with real estate investments and so far that has paid off very well for me so that i think the alternative investment opportunities is big you know i because i think i work for a big technology firm that has had very successful run up. <laughs> um, and, and, you know, frankly, my entire career, I've been fortunate to work for companies that performed very well in the equity market. I have that orientation. And I think the planning process here has helped hedge against that. Yeah. So. <clears throat> what do you think the biggest learnings have been for you? And, and you said largely you're doing it on your own. Yeah. Now, you, you, I mean, you're, you're pretty darn skilled about a lot of this stuff. You're kind of underselling yourself. You, you also do bring uh, alternative investments because your friends bring them to you. Oh, that's true. You yeah. Know? Yeah. So um, you're more, more experienced than most. Okay. Right. Um, so what, what are the biggest learnings you've had in, as we've been together for the last 15 years? As, as yeah. Well, I think, um, yeah, that's a good point. Um, I guess what I'd say is I think you and your team have done a good job of, of reminding me of the importance of creating annualized cash flow, in my case, largely through rental income, and and seeing this concept that if you do this right, you can create a portfolio that like throws off enough cash that you, know, you can retire and maintain your lifestyle, um, which is really an awesome goal. And I 
I hadn't thought of it that way. I was always thinking of it in terms of really equity growth. And you're, you're right, like making angel investments um, with the hope that like one would hit big. And I have been somewhat fortunate in that a couple have. But I think the strategy of creating cash flow driven investments is a, a better risk mitigator and um, more reliable. Yeah. And I, and I think that my experience with clients is that that's true that they're more about hitting home runs as, they, as they're younger. Yeah. But as you get older, most people tell me when, when I point to the measure, the metric of what makes them feel wealthy, it isn't net worth. It's excess cash flow. Yeah. And if you have excess cash flow, if it's 100% or 150 or 200% of what's needed, even if pandemics or massive market sell off, just doesn't really change lifestyle. Like, you right. know, I feel like they take better trips. They buy their their friends and family better presents. Yeah, they go on better. They just they just live life with more more freeness and worry right. less about their financial lives. I could see that. Yeah. yeah. So that is a big goal for the folks that we serve is that we do try to transition it to saying, hey, how can we position a portfolio that's going to start giving you excess cash flow? Because I'd much rather have the money come into your accounts. You're like, I have so much cash. Like, don't, would you please find a home for it? Right, right, right. right. I mean, Which occasionally happens. Yeah, yeah, it happens to you. You call, yeah. like, hey, I have way too much cash sitting right. in these accounts, right? right? We got to do it to work. <laughs> that's right. So, with all the planning, what has been the results from a planning standpoint, aside from the investments? Mm-hmm. What's been the result in your experience from all the planning that you've done for your estate? What? Mm. You mean psychologically or? Maybe psychologically or save tax savings or yeah. benefits to Yeah, other. yeah, yeah. Oh, well, I mean, the tax savings, I think, have been huge. I live in New York State, look New York City, so I pay more than my fair share of taxes. But the, yeah, the ability to protect some of my wealth, allow it to grow, use distributions to make what I think are very um, significant and worthwhile charitable gifts. That's been terrific. I think it also sort of, because the charitable trusts are over a 15 or 20 year horizon, it's forced me to think about the long view a little bit, well, a lot actually of like, okay, you know, I'm going to be 70 when this trust finally concludes, which sounds like a long way away, but actually it's getting closer every day. And, you know, how my financial picture how I should expect it to look at these different gating ages. I think that's been useful. It's probably forced me to think a little bit about retirements, which, you know, I'm not particularly focused on and I don't have ambition to do, but at some point we'll, we'll at least want to know I have the freedom to do that. So yeah, I think, I think I hadn't really thought of it this way before, but the longevity of these trusts sort of set up, a long-term roadmap of sorts, and um, and so I, I, I very I have a lot of confidence that I'm not just managing my portfolio for this year, but for the duration. I think another thing that came out of it as, and, and I don't think I think it was kind of an unintended consequences as you layered in these different trusts, and you had a certain budget to to. To determine, okay, wait a minute, I'm going to start making pledges that are multi-year pledges. True. To start looking at, well, how do I want to, you know, and 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 also to leave 
a chunk of money in there to say, I know I could be touched in any given year. I want some excess budget in doing that. I mean, why don't you comment about that process and how yeah. how rewarding that has been? Yeah, no, I mean, it's really important for charities to know the sort of reliability of the donations that they're going to receive, and particularly for, for people who are board members or trustees, like that is, you know, so much of the charity's income and, and assets come from those people that it's a win-win to say, here's my plan in a much smaller way. I have similar conversations with the folks at, at Claremont to say, you know, this is what I think I'm, I'm going to do. They have, you know, just a plethora of options and like uh, their own very sophisticated um, advancement and endowment strategy and lots of options. And it, it's like been really fun to be one of the people that can give back so generously to the college. And is it true that you're the, are you the only female on that board there? I'm not the only one, no. Um, it was a men's college and it's a board that, you know, has you know, attracted a number of just like really impressive and highly accomplished people. There are a handful of women and, you know, hopefully more in the, in the future. Yeah. So how, um, we've had a lot of unrest in the market here this last quarter with rising interest rates and unknown with this Fed backstop going away. Right. You know, we've had a lot of shakeout. How, and I know you're working still, but how has, where's your peace of mind regarding Mm -hmm. your overall financial life? Yeah, you're right. And particularly in my sector, there are a lot of companies that have just gotten hammered this quarter. You know, I do feel fairly well protected, partly because of the diversity of my portfolio. Google is also a stock that, you know, hasn't been hurt quite as badly. The run up in Google stock over the last couple of years has been extraordinary. So, you know, in some ways, I I think of it as house money. So I'm not particularly stressed about it. I try to have a long view. Yeah. So you, do you have peace of mind or no? You still have some <clears throat> some anxiousness? So. No, I mostly, I mean, maybe, maybe this is naive. I mostly have peace of mind. Yeah. I have a lot of anxiousness about other macro world events, which yeah. could be existential in a way that will make the, you know, downturn in, in the S&P <laughs> seem not that big of a deal. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> What are the things that you would like to see us improve upon? What are the things about the experience that you'd like to, as feedback to us that would be helpful? Um, okay, let's see. Uh, I think we have started to get into a rhythm of doing regular check-ins, and, and I think that's important, and we should maintain the, like, the integrity of those meetings. For a lot of years, we were talking just very frequently, and I think the hygiene of like a check-in didn't necessarily make sense. But now that there's a rhythm to to sort of my investing approach, I think taking stock once a quarter and just saying, okay, what what is the long-term plan? I mean, we know what it is, but let's just like remind ourselves or remind me. Because one of the other things I'll say is that despite the fact that I am quite financially fluent, it's a lot to remember. And, you know, and even I, I try to take notes and document like our decisions for my own sake. Even I forget like, wait, why did we do that? Or why did we sell that? Um, So, so I think the hygiene of like really rigorous, like 
we're checking in for this quarter and we're going to think about the last half of the year, that kind of meeting, I think holding ourselves accountable to having that would be good. So we call that stewardship the fr and frequency. Now we've gone back to quarterly for you. Mm -hmm. And one thing that we do do is memorialize meeting notes and send those out. Are those helpful? I mean, you just spurred that like to remember. I what think happened. it's really important to. Do you to, often refer back to those? Are um, those? You know, it's interesting. I probably should do a better job of referring back. I try to take my own notes. Yeah. So I'm glad to have them. I mean, I think I would. It, it creates like a safety net to have the notes, but truthfully, I probably rely on my own notes more. Okay. Okay. I use them often to look back to say, yeah, it, oh, I'm it, sure it, that would make sense for you. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, okay. Well, we're about at the end of our time here today. I want to thank you for spending the time. Do you have a closing thought that you would like to share with the listening audience? Um, you know, I think that managing money and wealth can be really overwhelming. And like so many things, it's better just to jump in and commit. I think a lot of people have sort of the mental model of, you know, thinking of paying attention to their financial well-being as like a visit to an amusement park that they do once a year. And sometimes it's fun and sometimes it's scary. And Really, you need to think of it more as like a gym membership where you're going regularly and creating muscle memory. So that's a great analogy. That is my closing thought, Eric. <laughs> <laughs> Tina, thank you so much for doing this today. So appreciative. Oh, my pleasure. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you for listening to the Live Life Liberated podcast with the team from Centura Wealth Advisory. If you have not subscribed to the podcast yet, please click the subscribe now button below. This way, when the team releases a new podcast, it'll show up directly on your listening device. We humbly ask you to share this podcast, rate, and leave a review, as this actually helps others find the show. Again, thanks for listening today. For everyone at Centura Wealth Advisory, this is Eric Johnson reminding you to live your best day every day, and we'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to the Live Life Liberated podcast. Click the subscribe button below to be notified when new episodes become available. The information covered and posted represents the views and opinions of the guest and does not necessarily represent the views or opinions of Centura Wealth Advisory. The content has been made available for informational and educational purposes only. The content is not intended to be a substitute for professional investing advice. Always seek the advice of your financial advisor or other qualified financial service provider with any questions you may have regarding your investment planning. Centura Wealth Advisory, Centura, is an SEC-registered investment advisor with its principal place of business in San Diego, California. Centura and its representatives are in compliance with the current registration and notice filing requirements imposed on SEC-registered investment advisors, in which Centura maintains clients. Centura may only transact business in those states in which it is notice filed or qualifies for an exemption or exclusion from notice filing requirements. Past performance is no guarantee of future results. Tax relief varies based on client circumstances and all clients do not achieve the same results. The presented testimonial is from a current Centura client and is for informational purposes only. The statements provided should not be considered as a representation of all client experiences, which may differ substantially.